welcome to episode four of our Tabletop Rebellion podcast. Joining me again today is my gaming partner for life, Mr. Jim Breeze. Hello, hello. So we are certainly hoping that you all are safe and well right now. We have been hanging out here at home playing some games when we get the opportunity. Well, not much chance to go outside. Yeah, so we hope you guys are doing similar, staying safe. We've been doing, I don't know, kind of some outside-the-box thinking. I've seen a lot of other folks doing it out, too, so it's certainly not... We're not the geniuses that came up with it by any means. But uh, we hopped on Google Hangouts a week or so ago and uh, played a game of Welcome To with a friend of ours who's over in Delaware, Ohio. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, and it worked out very well. We had um, enough cameras to show everything going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, and honestly, we don't, he has a different schedule than ours anyway, so that may be something that we employ uh, to get to game with him a little more often, just going forward altogether. Yeah, and yeah, like you said before, we've seen other people, I mean, we're certainly not the only people to think of playing games like this um, over things like Google Hangouts, and Zoom has kind of become a big thing Mm -hmm, now. mm -hmm. Um, I know I've seen a lot of people playing Codenames online. Oh yeah, yeah, there's been some really cool Um, setups for Codenames. Um, and basically any game that is all known information, no hidden information, no, yeah. no separate hands for individual players. Um, I've seen people play uh, Pandemic open-handed mm-hmm. uh, over using the same setup, and apparently it's worked out pretty well for them. Yeah, so if you guys have tried anything, I'd be really curious. Either leave us a message in the comments or um, hit us up on Facebook. I'm just curious what other games maybe we could try with some of our friends that maybe we just haven't thought of yet. So we did Welcome to uh, Your Perfect Home, which is a, a super fun uh, and right that can basically play to just about any number of players because you can scan that sheet in, even right. if somebody doesn't have a copy of it. Um, we just happen to have that game, and our friend does as well. So we were trying to look at some other games that we both own. We we hinted about trying Wingspan, but it seems like it might be a logistical challenge. Yeah, that's one but. of those where it is, um, each player does have a, a hidden hand, so it's a bit tricky there. Yeah, so we're we're still trying to work through that. Even for after, you know, this shelter-in-place thing goes away. Again, this is a friend we don't see that often, so how can we connect with friends that we know or other gamers that are maybe across the country? That, right. you know, we can find... I, I think it's cool that people have been thinking outside the box to still get gaming in. And in the same vein as Welcome to, I think pretty much any... I think, well, okay, I say any. Most rolling rights. Yeah, or, that's a safe bet. Or, you know, that style of game w- would work really well for something like this. As long as, the, as long as everybody can have a copy of a score sheet. Yeah, which we have found if you've got a printer scanner at home... I, I have not perused BGG to see if there's a copy of those. I know the publisher of Welcome To, they have, they're running a sale right now with some of those pads. So it's something, if it was one you wanted to try. We have another game here called Trophies, which is an incredibly fun party game that requires basically just one person to have the, to kind of be running the game to have the, the cards. And they're just letters printed on the front of the card. On the back of the card are categories. Right. You pick a category, and then everyone playing just has to say a word that matches that category that starts with that letter. And we right. played that one several times, and it's a lot of fun. And one of the fun things is that the person who has the deck, who's basically the judge, doesn't know what the letter is going to be. Yeah, that's fun. Because the judge is looking at the back of the deck with, with all the questions. They pick a, um, or the categories, pick a category, and then just move that card to the front of the deck so that the other players can see mm-hmm. um, the letter. 
And so you're sitting there hoping maybe you didn't pick the wrong category for that question. Yeah. Yeah, because you never know. Like, you may have a cue on the other side. So that's we played that game with some friends before, and it's it's a ton of fun. So, you know, just do what you can to try to get some gaming in. We're fortunate to have a gaming partner built into our relationship here at home. Right. It, it definitely helps living with a, a, a fellow gamer. Yep. So we've been making a little bit of a dent in our shelf of shame. Well, shelf of opportunity. There you go. <laughs> uh, our friend Mike calls it a shelf of opportunity. So that does not mean that by I've still uh, we still got games sitting here in shrink. We're making progress. We did play my all-time favorite game, Castles of Burgundy, this week with the Trade Routes. Is that what it was? Right. I think it's I think it's expansion number eight. It's a mini expansion. Yeah, I think I picked that up at BGG at their booth, or I ordered it from BGG, one or the other. But I know I got it from them. Um, and it's just a, a sm- small little set of cards that each player puts out in front of them. And when you're selling goods, you can then sell them along this trail left to right. And if you match the color on that on that particular next space with the same color good, then there's a bonus in there that you get. So that was right. kind of a... It, was, it didn't add a ton, but it was nice. Yeah, it, it added a little bit more to the act of selling goods because otherwise it's... Just, you know, pick one to sell. And, and you get a silver. And you get a silver, and they're worth points at the end of the game. That's pretty much it. Um, this is a mini expansion, so there's not much to it. Like you said, it's a very small deck of cards. I think it's a total of 12 cards or something like that. That sounds about right, because, yeah. But it does add just a, just a touch of decision-making on which goods to sell, when to sell them, you know, so you can look ahead and see if there's any particular color you want to try. Mm-hmm. to collect and that will be the color that will not come that out will that not come out <laughs> that's what we learned i'm not i've never been big on selling goods in that game it's just never been a path that i try to do now you did really well because you made it probably through not quite half of was, what you were selling i think i sold like three things i made it roughly it. halfway through the path which i mean the path is longer for two players because with the deck of 12 cards the instructions say to use Three per player if you're playing four players. Mm-hmm. You know, four per player if you're playing three, and then five per player for two players, which is what we did. So it was a fairly long track, and I got right about halfway through it. It didn't help me win the game. No, I'm not upset about this because I legit got my personal best score on this game, and I because I always made the joke of I don't know why there's a coin in there that's got a hundred. And 200 points on it. Nobody's ever getting to 200 points. I got to 200 points. I ended up with 209, which is by far the best I've ever done. It certainly didn't have anything to do with that trade route. Because, like I said, I sold like three goods. But I just got... I don't know. I got a, I got a little engine working. Like, I was just getting the right rolls to buy the right stuff. And things were just yeah. happening in a good order. I think I had a good... I played on mat five... If anybody is that in depth in the game, you can, I don't, and so it's space, it just worked. Like it was, I had a lot of fun. I love that game every time we played anyway. And it was sort of that game that kind of created the theme for this week's episode of uh, coming back for more. So later in the, in the podcast, we're going to talk about which games keep us coming back for more, but I honestly, so I guess I won't talk as much about that game when we get to that section. Cause I couldn't hold my excitement in for our play of Castles of Burgundy this past week. Couldn't help myself. Well, it's it, we just played it over the weekend, so it's still fresh in your mind. Oh, victory is so sweet. <laughs> so uh, I guess moving on, we'll talk what's new on the channel. Um, we had do a live playthrough of Truck Off, 
The Food Truck Frenzy Roll and Write is its official name. This is sort of a follow-up to uh, the Truck Off board game that you may have seen out and about in places before. If you if you haven't had a chance to check that out on our Facebook page, I, I highly recommend this game. We were just talking about games that you can play with a lot of, a lot of different people or, you know, remotely right now if you need to. And this is another great game for that sort of opportunity. Yes, this is again, um, I mean, it says in the name, it's another roll and write. Um, so you can play it over um, a video ch- video conference, video chat, whatever you use. And basically it's the uh, the only special thing about it that most people, that people might not have would be the dice. Yeah. Anyone familiar with Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or, you know, most tabletop role-playing games would be familiar with the dice. They They would know it as the standard, you know, six-piece set. Uh, Four-sided die, six-sided, eight-sided, ten, twelve, and twenty. Yep. Those are just the ones that are used in the game. Anyone who has played Dungeons and Dragons will have a set so they can, you know, if if they don't have an actual copy of the game and still want to play online, they can use those. Or you can just have somebody, you know, be the designated roller. Right. Yeah. Yeah, what I like about this one is the, the official copy color color codes the die to match with a particular venue because what you're doing, which is a little bit different from the actual board game is you're driving your truck around the city essentially. Right. So you're trying to get your path to the different venues based on what those dice rolls are. That's how much income you're going to score if you're able to get your truck there, but you, you're kind of limited to the order that you can do it in. Um, that gives it a unique challenge to it, right. I think. And so we've played it. Several times. I've gotten a little bit better each time. Yes. <laughs> I still have not beat Jim at this game. That's a con- That's my own personal conquest uh, to continue on, I suppose. But this one was really fun. I like the decision making in, okay, which die am I going to go for? Which path? How many of these venues am I going to try and hit? What am I willing to skip? Um, because when we first started playing, I was trying to hit every venue down the path. And there are six per each row. And then it kind of snakes around. And then I quickly found out in that first game, that's probably not the best strategy. Right. Because, I mean, obviously the more places that you can stop, the more chances to score points and make money. Um, but in order to um, gain some of the bonuses, you do kind of need to spread it out. Because like she was mm-hmm. saying, there's there's six rows and each row has each one of the venues on it. And there's six of them. So it's a six by six grid and the path that you need to take kind of snakes around it. Um, The bonuses are spread out on each of the rows and each of the columns. And you just need to fill in three going either any direct either either way rows or columns in order to activate the bonus. So it does help to kind of spread things out and not try to go. Yep. Not try to fill everything in on every row. Because those bonuses really seem to make a difference. They just certainly uh, promoting, can. We found that promoting a venue is huge in that game. Um, that is some hidden points that can really make or break, yes. that can really swing the tide of a game that you don't even know until the end. Plus there's the uh, the $5 bonus oh, yeah. for the last row and the first two columns. Mm-hmm. So again, even if you're trying to um, fill everything in like Kim was on her first game, it's very likely you could actually get the the first two column bonus but that last five dollar bonus is on the very last row yes yeah, so, so you, 
if you don't get all the way down there, you're not going to get it. Right. Well, and that's cool, too, because those two die. So it's a four-sided die and a six-sided die, which are likely the ones that you're getting the least amount of income. Right. I mean, the most you can get on the four is a four, whereas further over on a 20, I mean, you could... I don't. I think I hit a 20 once, but I had a 19. I mean, you can score really high numbers in there. Right, especially with some of those bonuses where you can double the value of oh, certain venues. yes, bring that nightmare back. I was able to get on those <laughs> on those venues that correspond to the twenty sided die. I was able to get you know thirty six, thirty eight points bah. on a single roll. Ah, it was terrible, you guys. Um, <laughs> this is why I can't beat him at this game. But it's it's a lot of fun. This is from Adam. It's Adam's Apple Games. Um, uh, it's it's available now. I believe uh, you can go ahead and at least pre order if it's not totally out yet. With everything going on, it has backed a few things up. But I'm pretty sure this is available now. It's designed by Ryan Lambert and Adam Rayberg, who both um, also worked on Sword Crafters. So I, like, again, we recommended this on the channel. If you want to see how it plays, definitely go check out that live play on our Facebook page. We're going to be working on an official review um, here in the next week or so to get out on the channel for you to be able to check out as well. But I thoroughly enjoyed this game. This will be one that we're doing, I'm I'm sure, over, over Google Hangouts. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I think our friend Rob will enjoy it as well. So I'm, I'm excited to share this one with some more people. Yes, it's a very, it's a, it's a different take on the roll and write game. Because it's not just seeing a number and marking it down somewhere. You have to kind of strategize where you are based on the map, what venue, what, what die would benefit you the most. Um, so it's very, it's very spatial like that. And kind of the same way that Clank is for deck building games. Yeah. I, yeah, I would totally agree with that. Cause it takes the mechanic of deck building and uh, ties it into a map with different goals and obstacles and things like that. And, truck off roll and write is much the same way i mean you do have um your own personal map that you're you know marking where your truck is going throughout the game and it's and it's kind of the same thing kind of picking the best path for you trying to Mm -hmm. plan out what die you want to use next and hoping that it can that'll roll up or even skipping that if you have to to, if something else comes along that's even better skipping's hard like it took me a long time to be able to be okay with skipping until i went whoa i scored a lot more points when i did that uh so we're excited about that one so stay tuned but definitely check out that live playthrough over on facebook Uh, in episode three uh, my friend jason brain was on the channel and we talked about a lot of different customizable card games ccgs and not right after we released that episode he was visiting family and stumbled across a copy of the Star Wars collectible card game, uh, the introductory two-player game. So he just found this in some little shop where he was visiting his family. So he has recorded us a an, an unboxing of this. Oh. So we'll be getting that up on the channel this week. I'm pretty excited to see that. So he was super, super stoked to find a copy of this. Uh, and it was just so crazy that we had just been talking about it. And did a whole show around it. And then voila, it showed up. So, I don't know. I guess the gaming gods smiled upon him. And And to me, this is the one from the 90s. I think so, yeah. Not the latest one that um, just got discontinued, Star Wars Destiny. Oh, no. This is is definitely uh, from the 90s, I'm almost sure. So, it has some Luke and Leia cards not found anywhere else. So, yeah cool find on his part and we're excited to share that on the channel later this week as well 
And then our big announcement uh, we, that we had around the channel, but I want to make sure you guys know as well, we had the opportunity recently to speak with Mark Spector from Grand Gamers Guild in regards to his game that just finished up on Kickstarter about a month or so ago called Garento. We were huge fans of Garento. Uh, and so we are going to be partnering with Grand Gamers Guild at Origins Game Fair this year to host a tournament of that game. Now, I know what you guys are thinking. We're all, all of our fingers are crossed that Origins still happens. Um, so as for now, we are still planning for that go-ahead. We'll know more about May 1st or so, what's going to happen with Origins. If we don't get to bring you this opportunity for Origins, we'll be certainly uh, looking for another opportunity to work with Grand Gamers Guild and uh, give you guys the opportunity to have that tournament because this game is so much fun. We really, I can't wait to get our copy of Garinto. <laughs> yeah. I wish we had it now during this because we would be playing it. We would be playing, we would be playing it. it a lot. Um, they also have a game, that, uh, a Kickstarter of theirs called Endangered that's fulfilling right now. And you can actually get a copy on their site. This is a co-op dice rolling game okay. where you're basically playing the role, trying to save endangered species. So it's an interesting, almost, I don't know, like it's a little more serious when I say serious, but it's, I like the theme of it, that you're trying to save these endangered species. So you're rolling die so that you can allocate your action cards. That in turn allows you to possibly like help try to, you know, grow species at the same time that you are trying to uh, hold off extinction from coming for them. And then you're playing to the point that you can get the UN to vote to kind of save those. So it's, it's a, I like unique themes games. I think right. this is a very unique theme. So if you kind of like that kind of, and, and honestly, Grand Gamers Guild, they put a lot of great effort into their games. They, they release great games. So uh, certainly if you're interested in that, they have that available for sale on their website. Okay. So head on over there to check that out. I think that's all the news that's good to print for the channel so far for this week. And then, of course, as soon as it without fail, every time I say that, and then I'm editing this, and like the next day when it's posting, something really cool happens, and we have to save it for next time. But that'll head us off into uh, our discussion this week about games that bring us coming back for more. So what does that really mean? That is the game that you love so much that anytime somebody asks you to play it, you're totally on board. So for me, that's totally Castles of Burgundy. Right. Anytime I do, if that game ever falls out of my top five, I'll be shocked. One that occurred to me, um, and it's not on our list here. Is <laughs> something that occurred to me after we put this, put the put the initial list together. That's totally how that works. Um, well, it came up because um, my boss at work um, had put out an email talking about, um, you know, and about the effects of the quarantine on business, on our jobs, which luckily. For both of us, we've both been able to transition to working from home. Yep. So we've been really lucky for with that. Yep. Um, but he had also mentioned that this has been kind of uh, rough on home life, and it has been for a lot of people. Just all of a sudden, you're stuck in the house with <laughs> you kind same of crammed, people, yeah, <laughs> with the same people all day, every day. And he had mentioned, um, you know, starting up a. Uh, I said he quote unquote threatened the kids with a family board game night. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw that and I kind of took it upon myself to reach out to him and talk to, to talk about, um, you know, possible board games that he could get his family into. And it's um, cool. He and his wife and three kids um, aged like nine to mid teens. Um, and I was putting together a list of 
uh, gateway games, um, easy to teach games, quicker games so nice. that they don't lose interest. And that's when Carcassonne came out, um, popped into my head mm. as one of those games that I always that I will always come back to. It's a simple game, especially if you just have the base. Yeah. Um, but it's very puzzly. Um, there's a lot of choices, especially with can't. especially with the river expansion in the beginning of the game, giving you more options to start out with. Um, I never know where to put my farmers in that game. And that's that's one of those things. It's trying to figure out when do I, where do yeah. I put the farmers out and when. You know? I remember when we bought this game. So, and we it wasn't even for us, but we played it that night. Is uh, some friends of ours do a yearly board game exchange at Christmas time. So it's like a white elephant exchange. And we really didn't know a whole lot about board games. We were still pretty ticket to ride level, exploding kittens, didn't hadn't really dipped our toe per se in the expansive ocean that right. is board we, gaming. I think we may have played Catan a couple of times. Maybe. And we don't even play that one now. But we had picked up Carcassonne somewhere um, and took it to that to the board game exchange. It didn't come home with us, but we did have an opportunity to play it there, and I remember how much we liked it. Right. And it was probably, it took us at least two years before we finally bought a copy of it, though, I think. I don't it, think it was that long. You don't think so? No. I'm trying to remember. I mean, but it was one of those, it's like we figured out we liked it, and we kind of kept it in our head to pick it up if we ever saw it again. Yeah. Again, this was before we were really... Um, actively collecting board games yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> i like that you use the word collecting as i look around the room and yes this is a collection <laughs> because they don't all get played they all just take up space <laughs> you guys understand that i'm sure well the majority of them have have at least one play yeah i would Let's say they're not way. all covered in shrink there's there's still a handful but but yeah these games are those ones that man if you just go hey do you want to play this you almost always say yes or there's that puzzle aspect of it like i've got a couple here on my list that um I can't, well, one in particular, I can't beat the game. I can't beat it. Um, and I'm dying to actually, and even when I do, it'll still be that quest to continue to beat it. Right. So as I mentioned earlier, the first one on my list was Castles of Burgundy. And uh, I, I catch some slack from our gaming group for this being one of my favorite games. And I don't care. I love Steffenfeld. And I know that he probably even has some games that are better than this. And I, I don't... The funny part is, is when you ask me, Kim, why do you love this game? And to be perfectly honest, I can't 100% tell you. There's something incredibly satisfying about building my kingdom, of getting the tiles that I want when I want them. And that's a challenge in and of itself. Building and just trying to fill all those spaces. That's, it's That's the challenge right there. Well, it really is. And so in this, this last game that we played, I was trying so hard to get all the buildings and I had them broken up in probably, I don't know, I think three or four different groups, ranging from anywhere from like two to three buildings in each one. Yeah. So that afforded me the opportunity to have the same building in each one. A while ago, the the game that is still the board within Castles of Burgundy, that is still the one I want to beat, is the one that has all of the buildings in one big group. So within that group, then you cannot repeat a building unless you get the special yellow tile that lets you do that. And in the game that we played, that I played on that card, I was one tile away from completing that group. And I did not have the yellow one. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, you came in and bought it. I probably did. 
<sighs> and so it's just that satisfaction of that game. And it's not the prettiest game out there by any means. We have much mm. prettier games. Stefan Feld has made much prettier games. I mean, Merlin is gorgeous right. compared to what um, Castles of Burgundy and, is. And they did release a, a 10th anniversary They version. did. Um, I was really all in on that until, and I'm sorry, but until I saw it. it was, it's just a little garish. I, I guess I thought, I don't know what I expected it to be. And so it's unfair to judge it when I don't even know what my expectations were. But I just thought it was going to look different than what it is. I do love that that anniversary edition has all the expansions, which are kind of hard to chase down individually. But at this point, I don't think, I don't think I'm, I'm not going to let go of that copy. I originally thought I would. I'd buy the the new anniversary one and give that one away. But I love that copy and I don't think it's going anywhere. Well, I mean, if it ain't broke. That's true. So now what about you? What, uh... Um... One of the games that I keep coming back to, and Kim would probably disagree on me about <laughs> this one. We're allowed to have um, differences. Um, is Memoir 44. Now, anybody who's played it and enjoys it. This one's hard to find. Play. Well, the expansions, the expansions are hard to find. But even the base game, there's uh, it's one-on-one. Uh, so it's a two-player, basically a two-player only game. And with... With all the different scenarios in the rule book, um, there's just so many different ways to get the board set up to play. Individual games are relatively quick. The The game actually suggests um, playing one game and then flipping the board and playing the same scenario, but have each player be the, be the other side. Hmm. And then, Interesting. And then to kind of compare total scores after that to see who the overall winner is. Um, I think one of the reasons that this has kind of gotten into my, um, you know, keep me coming back is this is one of the games that I was able to get our nephew interested in board games with. He loves this game. He loves this game. He likes it because it's, um, I introduced it to him, he's 13 now. I would say, I think he started playing this one at 11. Probably pretty close to 11. Um, And he liked that it was... um, World War II. You like that it was World War II. Um, that it's little guys on the map that you can move around, roll dice to see what happens. Um, and the, 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 the command mechanic with the cards made it so that he wasn't looking at the entire board and freezing on what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. He had his hand of cards, pick one of them, yeah. that's what you do. Well, and he likes combat games. He does like combat Which is games. not my favorite thing, so it gives you somebody an opportunity to kind of play those with. He's, I would say he leans towards take that in combat no, games. No, he's he's definitely, an, he, he's, he would definitely be an Ameritrash gamer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's, there's, there's a lot mentally going on with this game, even though the, the, the mechanics and the rule structure is very simple. Like I said, with the expansions, even though they are hard to find, that just adds more of that to that without adding a whole lot of complexity. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting game. I think I, I believe I've played this with you, or at least I've watched you guys play it. And I think it's well done. And this one's from days of wonder. And they usually, they put out good games, but you're right. I don't know that I've ever seen a copy of the expansion in the wild, at least since we've been interested in it. The, yeah, I think the, the only one that I've really seen was the latest one that was released, which was the, uh, the air power one. The oh, name escapes yeah. me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, I could see that one. Like I could see you what and well, and you have a nice nostalgia 
memory with it too. And sometimes right. that, and sometimes that's all it is with a game. Yeah. If, I, if it's something I can get my nephew interested in, it's something that I'm yeah, I really, hang on to. yeah, I really think that opened the door for him for board gaming, honestly. And now he's he plays several different games with yeah. us. Sometimes to the point that I don't want to play them anymore. But um, but he loves them, and I and I I love that he loves them. And I think he's got. I'm thinking of what his, if we were to ask him what his list would be. It would certainly be Memoir Forty Four. It would be Clank. It would be. Um, Champions of Midgard, he yeah, loves, he and loves, Lords of Waterdeep. He loves Champions of Midgard. So, yes, because, yeah, he likes the combat part of of uh, Midgard, for sure. Yes. He likes being able to mess somebody else up in Clank. Uh, he always looks for the Mr. Whiskers expansion card. And I think he he does that kind of in Lords of Waterdeep, too. But right. I'm I'm thrilled that he likes gaming. He's getting into D&D now, and I am now digressing from what our topic really is. Well, so, I don't know. D and D is one of those games that keep we keep coming back. Well, that's because we can't. We haven't finished a campaign. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we just keep joining other ones. Uh, talking about games that that uh, the one I mentioned earlier is the game that I cannot beat is Mask of the Red Death, and I had the opportunity to get this game as part of Gen Cant like two years ago. So this is from IDW Games. Um, it's de- designed by Adam Wise, and this game, not to mention the art, is insanely phenomenal i love the artwork in this game but this game is so much fun you need at least four players i think i think it's i think it's three but it's best with more players yeah i think you play up to seven or eight you can go up to seven um it's it's so it's based on the the edgar Allan poe poem mask of the red death right which is so it's already has all this wonderful theming about it the artwork is super cool and now here I am as this character moving around the ballroom, trying to collect hints so I can then program my movement for when the Red Death hits. Right. So half the game is spent moving through using, everybody has the exact same hand of cards and you play them. Some of them come back into your hand and some of them don't. So right. once you play them, that's it. They're gone. And either I'm getting clues from the discard pile from the actual set of cards that are going to trigger when the Red Death moves around, or I'm getting information from my fellow players. So I kind of mentioned that it's like, that it has this memory, oh, this it has a rough memory aspect oh, to yeah. it. Because you're now trying to remember all the information that you've collected, and then you're programming your movement on your on your player board. The whole first half, you're collecting information and trying to decide, okay, I need to start in this color room, and then you can only move one room to the left or to the right from that room. And once these are programmed, so once you hit midnight on the clock and the second part of the game starts, it's all left to what your programming was. You are no longer involved. You don't get to move your, like, whatever you picked earlier is how your player moves. Yep. So if you end up in the same room as the Red Death, you are dead. I don't know if, I think our friend Katie has made it all the way to the end. Maybe. It's... And there is this stress involved in this game as you are trying to remember and try to plan. And it's so good. It's such a good, like, you're like, oh, I just don't know. And did I do? And I've come both times. Like, it's that starting move that gets me. Um, I'm pretty sure I had them all programmed correctly once, but I was one step off. (laughs) And that's enough to really. Yeah, because it doesn't. One sure. Yeah. (laughs) If you have not seen that game, it's. 
Like I said, it's from IDW. I still see it out in the wild some. It's so good. It's definitely one of one of the hidden gems. It really is. It does not get near enough attention. No, it doesn't. But it's it's definitely one of my favorites. And we don't get to play it as often, especially now, um, because we are a party of two most of the time playing games. And you definitely want more people playing this one. Right. Well, oh, but I love this The game. more people playing, the more opportunity there is to gather clues. Oh, yeah. Um, because everybody has some clues as to, you know, where the Red Death is not going to be at certain times in the second part of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just need to be able to piece that together so that you can do your best to avoid where the Red Death is going to be. Yeah. Uh, which is which is laid out before the game even begins. It's you know um, a row of hidden cards that outline where he's going to be and at what times. Yeah. So I think we said this is like deduction means memory. Right. Um, and and movement programming. Yeah, because I don't know. I don't love social deduction games, but I love this game. Well, this one's not a social deduction. Yeah, game. I'm not You're trying not... to figure out who's the who's the Red Death. I'm right. just trying to avoid it. Right. Oh, I love this game. Please, please do yourself a favor and check this game out. Yeah, especially if you're looking for something for more than like the typical two to four, two to five players. Yeah, if you have a bigger group for sure. Yes. So now circling back to one that you had, and you you mentioned this one briefly just yeah, a minute ago. Yeah, we did mention it before. One that um, keeps pulling me back in is Clank. This was kind of our first introduction to deck building with a dungeony crawl to it, right? And it was kind of really the first of its kind, being that sort of game, right? Yeah. And so this one, this game, designed by Paul Denon and published by Renegade Games, it's been a huge. Hit I've for always them. liked deck building games. Mm-hmm. And this one kind of took that to the next level for me because it takes that deck building aspect and where normally it would just be, you know, one person versus another or, you know, you versus um, whatever monsters or challenges rise up. Mm -hmm. It's it's basically a dungeon crawl and you use the cards to move around and uh, you hope the right cards come up so you can move around. Hope the right (laughs) cards come up um, and, you know, without attracting too much attention from the dragon. Mm hmm. Stephen's um, favorite part. With it, well, yes. <laughs> and and then there's also a race aspect to try to get down into the yep. dungeon, pick up the the best artifact, and get back out. And there's that kind of game of chicken aspect with the other yeah. players to see who's going to try to grab something and run back to the surface. As soon as you see somebody turn around and head back up, you're like, okay, I got to grab something. Yeah, I got to grab quick. something to go. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and it has a lot of iterations. It's got a lot, it, I mean, yeah, so it's got the Clank in Space, which is its own standalone. Which has a modular board. Which does have a modular board. So we board. have not tried that one yet, but I'm very curious to give it a try. And then there's all sorts of expansions for the regular Clank. Mm-hmm. Which we have tried the Mummies. We've tried the Mummies Curse. Um, and think what there's else. the one that was. There's another one too. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it has an underwater section. So you oh, pick yeah. Up like a scuba we do tank. have that one too, yeah. Um, there's now that legacy version of the it. Legacy. With Acquisitions Incorporated, yep. which that's another one we're curious about looking at. Yeah, I couldn't in good conscience do that without the nephew, though. So we'll have to yeah. wait on until he can come over and give that one a try. Yeah, we'll have to get that one and not get that one going without him. Because but he would love it. Honestly, there's some gatewayness to this. Like, This is not a hard game to explain. It's a great way to learn deck builders. Right. It's a great kind of easier introduction for like dungeon building. So if you're if you're 
new to gaming or if you're sharing games with somebody that's new, I still think Clank is a pretty good game to introduce them to. Well, especially... Once they get some basic mechanic stuff right, and they're comfortable. Uh, yeah, especially if all they're used to are uh, roll-and-move type games like Monopoly, mm-hmm. Sorry, Parcheesi. Um, and you're just replacing the dice with whatever cards you can draw that have... Uh, the boot symbols on them so you can yep. move your character it's like okay you got this many you can move this this yep. many spaces as opposed to just rolling a dice and seeing what happens yeah and it, the artwork is excellent it's very, oh it's really cool it's yeah. very light-hearted um i understand that um the clank in space has more of a parody feel to it where it's not quite um star wars or star trek but you can tell oh, cool. that it was inspired by those. Neat. I mean, the original Clank is kind of a more um, generic Tolkien-esque kind of feel to it, but it's lighthearted. Yeah. Not so much a yeah. Again, not so much a parody as it is just kind of a lighthearted take. Yeah, I do like it because there's the Tadlers in there, and there's another one that's uh, Mr. Whiskers. Of course, is adorable. He's a cat who. Will either do great things or just ha- make the dragon attack everyone. Right. So, yeah. I agree. Clank's a good one that I... Most of the time, I will I will be along for the ride on that one, too. Yeah. So, another one. This was... <laughs> I remember my quest to get to actually finally buy this game. So, I was late to the game in finding or learning about Tiny Epic Galaxies. So the first time I saw this game in action was on an episode of Tabletop with Will Wheaton. I went, okay, I kind of like that. That looks pretty fun. And then I kind of dismissed it and we didn't go out and get it or anything like that. And then we took a small vacation for us. It's, you know, it's one of those, not quite a staycation, but we went to a place here in Ohio called Ravenwood Castle. Super great place. Definitely check it out. They have a board game library there and they just happen to have a copy of Tiny Epic Galaxies. By then, I had started looking for it, and of course, it was out of print. Right. Couldn't find it anywhere. So I was super stoked to find this copy. You can basically check the games out of their library, take them to your room or to your cabin that you're staying there, and then just bring them back when you're done. Right. So we were able to kidnap Tiny Epic Galaxies for a good 24 hours and played it several times. And by then, I was totally hooked, and I couldn't find a copy of it anywhere. I had gone to our local game shop and apparently had missed the one copy that they had (laughs) by like four hours. So it was several weeks before I was able to finally bring another copy home. So I went through this shortage of it for a while. Uh, We've even so much as now invested in the ultra tiny Epic galaxies. So I can now never leave home without it if I don't want to, because if you, if you're familiar with any of the tiny Epic games from Gamelin, they are, gosh, about the size, give or take, of like two decks of cards side by side. Roughly, yeah. Uh, maybe a smidge bigger, but that's, uh, I guess, as close as I can get. So they don't take up a ton of space. They are super portable, but yet it's a really decent amount of game inside these tiny boxes. Yeah, it, it definitely... Like all of their tiny Epic games are really good that right. we played. Yeah, and they, they're they bigger than the box would, would allow you to Oh, play. absolutely. But... The, I, of all the ones that I've played, Tiny Epic Galaxies is by far my favorite. It allows you to colonize. you got your little ship out there. You're rolling dice. You're collecting cards. 
I can, like, depending upon what your opponent does, you can follow that action. It adds a level of my decision making as to what I'm about to do, because that also means that my opponent can also take one of those actions. Right. And that also So how means, am I benefiting them? And that also means that there's less downtime between turns. There, yeah, it's a pretty fast, fast pace, I don't know if is the right word, but you're right, there's not a lot of downtime. That game moves very swiftly. Right. And we'll play two or three round, you know, full games of it in a setting. Because it'll be once, okay, let's go again. Um, that that game I am ready to play anytime it's on the table. And now the tiny epic ultra tiny the ultra tiny epic version of it is about the size of a uh the box a, yeah. the box is about the size of a deck of cards, just a little bit thicker. Yeah, and and so it's basically this the, the, the same great game concentrated down even smaller. And it and that tiny tiny version of it includes the expansion. So what, yeah. what takes up two box tiny epic box sizes on my game shelf is all inside. We need to do a side-by-side comparison of that game at some point on the channel. Yeah. Because it's just crazy. Um, but I do, I thoroughly enjoy that game. I think the tiny epic series is a great one to get involved in. We have several of them. Yes. We have, and we've, we backed the Dinosaurs Kickstarter, so that one's on the way at some point soon, too. But Galaxies is by far my favorite. And I hear a lot of other people say that, too. It's probably one of their best rounded out games. I think the last one on my list for games that keep me coming back for more. Um, I went a little bit off the trail for this one. It's uh, Crusaders They Will Be Done by uh, TMG Games designed by Seth Jaffe. Mm. This one, um, all the players are part of the same mission to spread the word throughout Europe. So it's not a directly competitive game. It's almost more of a race. Yeah, I can um, see that. It's because you know they're you know you're not actively battling each other or getting each, in each other way, except you know possibly you know building uh, building things in territories before someone else can get there. But there's no direct conflict. Um, but it's still one of those puzzle games. Um, it uses a rondelle. To um, for action selection, it's that's and that's such a cool mechanism. That was really my first exposure to that. Right, and one of the great things about that is, depending on your order, um, depending on who you are, your rondelle can change, um, and how how you use it can change. So variable player power is there, and the spots on the rondelle can be upgraded along with mm-hmm. you know you can you, you can build buildings and territories. Uh, move your armies, uh, armies. Move your um, crusaders around, or you can choose to upgrade your rondels to give you more options. We took a risk on this game. We did. We actually saw this at Origins um, last year, 2019, I think. Yeah, I think it was Origins 2019. We just saw the game sitting out at TMG's booth. Thought it looked really interesting, especially um, the deluxified version that they had out. Yeah, they had just a two or three copies of the deluxified version there. And it was really close to the end of the convention by the time we got over there to see it. Right. They gave us a real quick overview of it, of how it works, and that pretty much sold us right then and there. We mm-hmm. bought one of the deluxified versions there. and The components are outstanding. They are. Even the non-deluxified version. The deluxified version has uh, the metal victory point markers. Uh-huh. And the metal really nice. sword starting player. And um, plastic pieces. And even the non-deluxified version, 
that has the really nice wooden pieces. The nice, really, yeah, yeah, really nice wooden pieces for the different buildings and your groups of crusaders. Those are really nice. So even if you don't get the deluxified version, you're still getting a very nice looking board game. Yeah, and that sort of kind of segues into it. Not only were we kind of talking about games that bring you back from back for more, but are there really publishers who you kind of follow their stuff? And TMG has certainly become one for us. I would say a lot based on the quality of the games that they put out, specifically components. Uh, Gentis is another one of their games that we have. We do not have the deluxified version of that. And you wouldn't know it. Yeah, we don't feel like we're missing anything because it's, of that. Yeah, it's, it's, they're still really high quality, thick cardboard. They don't, I mean, I think they go to great lengths to put together a really great game. We just recently picked up Pioneer Days from them. Yeah, and that's another one with nice, thick, yeah. quality tokens. Uh, we have a couple of their smaller um, rolling rights. We have Rolled West, which is another great one. And Big Dig, which we did a how to play right. uh, over on the YouTube channel if you want to check that one out. And even for just a small rolling right, it was a great thick cardboard component of the board that I write on. It comes with the markers in this tiny, great little box. I mean, even, as, even so, they put quality into even the roll and write games right yeah. and i'm not saying other publishers don't but tmg at least our experience with them is enough that if i see a new gaming a game coming out from them it piques my interest i'm already going to be interested in it because everything i've played and gotten from them so far has been such high quality right it's not a guarantee that we'll buy and and love every game that they have but it's definitely an if we see the tmg logo on it it's definitely enough to get us looking at it a little closer. Right, right. Now, when it comes to, I guess, on the different spectrum, we were talking about uh, games. There's So this is TMG, I come back because I like their game components. Garfield games, I come back to because they, I just love the series that they're putting out. Right, yeah. So initially it was the Raiders series. Um, so Raiders of the North Sea, which is just a great take on the worker placement mm-hmm. it um, really is and it's a it's a and it's a gore, it's it's a very nice looking game like right. the actual printed stuff is bright colors it looks great on the table and I, when i say garfield games i guess i should say they do they have partnered with renegade as well so renegade but garfield with shim phillips is usually where these originate and then I right. think renegade ends up selling them and then now next it's line. now it's been the west kingdom trilogy um we love architects of the west kingdom yep we actually just pulled Paladins off of the uh, shelf of Opportunity, <laughs> and we really enjoyed that oh, one. I really liked that one. That's a nice, meaty worker placement game. Yep. And, I mean, we've already backed Viscounts of the West Kingdom, so we're just wait, you know, waiting on that one to get here. Yeah, I do. The only thing, the only thing I wish they would do is make their boxes a little bigger. <laughs> um, it... Can't. It's a game within a game. It is. Getting the game back in the box is a game in and of itself. But, I mean, if the only real complaint that we can have about a game is the box size, then they're doing pretty good. Yeah. I love they... Who... And I, I apologize that I don't have the name in front of me, but I love who they've used for the artwork on all of their games. Yes. I love the art style that they have used. And, in fact, they that artist actually did a few promo cards for Pret-a-Porte. Oh, that's right. He did um, as one of the designers. Like, so for, there's some ex- there's some promo Kickstarter. That's cards. right, one of the Kickstarter cards. But yeah, I will say with with that series, 
um, Garfield game has done an outstanding job. And so as soon as we hear, oh, there's another one in that, like that piques our interest. Yes, definitely. And I would say a couple honorable mentions that we have. Recently, I would say Keymaster Games has really stood up and went, hey, hey, over here. Uh, if you have had the opportunity to play Parks, yes, the artwork is some of the best artwork I think I've ever seen in a game. Well, it helps that the artwork was actually commissioned by the National Park Service. It's so gorgeous, it is and very the game good. is solid. Like the components of that game are outstanding. Yes, and so Keymasters really and has kind of stood up and said, "Hey, we make great games," and they do. Um, I, I haven't played as many of their games, but now that I've seen how much effort and thought and care they put into parks, I'm paying more attention to what other games are coming out from them. Right. Um, another thing that keeps us coming back for more may not be the company or the game itself. Something that would always attract our interest may be a game designer. Very true. And, of course, you know everybody's going to be hearing... It, we're not going to be saying any real surprises here, I don't think. Um, with uh, Stefan Feld, we've already mentioned uh, Castles of Burgundy um, and Merlin. Oh, I love Merlin, too. Um, we also love Uwe, Ro- Uwe Rosenberg. Although I say his name wrong, and I apologize for that. But <laughs> Yeah, he gets my puzzly brain, and yes. so I enjoy a lot of his puzzly brain games. So patchwork is one of his was probably the first one of his that we picked up. Yeah, um, Caverna. Oh yeah, Caverna and Agricola. Um, of course, a feast for Odin. Oh yeah. Ooh, um, that one's a beast. Well, that's that's the other thing about Uwe Rosenberg. I mean, his games you, have literal heft. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you put patchwork next to um, a, feast feast, a feast for Odin, like you wouldn't actually go. Like, oh, that's the same. Right. Yeah. Um, Wolfgang Warsh, who is, who did Quacks of Quedlinburg. Yes. And Taverns of Tiefenthal. So, uh, both of those have been big hits for us. Yes. So now I'm like, what else has he done? And I mean, there's some, like the, I'm trying to think I, there's more, there's certainly more that I could add to that list. Yes, there definitely is. But I guess now, honestly, if we were to get off on that tangent, then I feel like that's a whole other show. Right. So I guess we'll hold a lot of that back for... (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll go into some of our favorite. We'll go into more into more depth with our favorite designers on another show. Yeah, because that's like a whole other. Yeah, that's a whole other concept of. But sometimes, if I know it's theirs, like they keep me coming back for more. So if I hear there's a new Stefan Feld game coming out, I'm like, what? Doesn't matter who's producing it. I'm interested. Right. Well, I guess this is a good way to kind of move into what other stuff are we following. So this is where we take the opportunity to spend money on your behalf. No, I'm kidding. But I always joke that I always end up on Kickstarter for this segment of the show. And it often ends up I'm backing a Kickstarter because I was doing research for this show. Um, There's a couple that I missed out on and I know we're too late for it. And I I didn't back it either. But another, uh, as we're talking about gorgeous games, there was a game on Kickstarter called Paris. That is beautiful. Mm. Our friends, the board game mechanics actually had an opportunity to play that prototype and did a review on it. He said it was one of the nicest prototypes he's ever seen. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I'll late pledge it still, but 
knowing what else I've already done for all these listeners backing games and stuff, I thought I needed to pump the brakes a little <laughs> bit, so I didn't back it. Um, and we've kind of ventured out a little bit this time. So I've got we've got a couple of Kickstarters and then just a couple of uh, cool things that we've run across. So I briefly hinted about this one on the last show, but it is now live on Kickstarter. Um, our friends with Hangry Dogs, their game is now available. And I'm not going to lie. I saw this game pop up somewhere. Uh, maybe it was a Board Game Reviewers channel. I'm not sure, but it was on Facebook. And like one of their main logo images is this adorable corgi with a piece of pizza in its mouth. And we have a corgi. And I was like, I have to know more about this game. <laughs> Yeah. From the get-go. So, helpful tip to tip to publishers, if you want our attention, put a corgi somewhere in the art. <laughs> and we'll totally be interested in it. But, well, and not only have they been, they've been great to talk to about the game. So, we did not get an opportunity to, like, do any reviews on it. But you can get a print and play on Kickstarter right now if you want, like, a full experience to see how this game's going to play. Like Jim mentioned, there is adorable, um, the artwork on it, I absolutely love it. It is, it's a really fun, the card game comes in like a pizza box, a small pizza box shape. So kudos to them for the attention to detail that they've really done on this. Um, They've, they've put a lot of work and effort into this campaign. So I really want, I really want to see them reach their, their funding goal for this one. But it's a card game that is about dogs, pizza, doing tricks, and it has mystic raccoons. And so you kind of go, well, how does that all come together? Uh, But you're trying to collect the most pizza slices. As right. like the dogs are. So you're stealing slices and then you have an opportunity that you can perform a trick. And this, I swear he must have like come and checked out our dogs to get a real life experience. Because some of the stuff I see totally <laughs> reminds me of our two crazy dogs. There's also, like I noticed in it, there's an expansion that's included um, as extras. There's a play mat. Uh, there's a really cool pizza crown if you want to have that for whoever wins the game. So I just think they've done a great job. Attention to detail. The artwork's already outstanding. I think this is going to be another Kickstarter that once fulfilled, you're going to get a really great game. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah, it's got about 29 days to go, so they're still moving along. If you haven't checked it out, please go go check out. They've got a Facebook page. They have a great Instagram account. They have done an outstanding job of really building up excitement about this game before it launched. So I really do hope that we see this one fun for them because it just looks really fun. Right. One thing that we would be, we we couldn't call ourselves um, a board game podcast if we didn't mention, was that the Kickstarter for Frosthaven, <laughs> the uh, um, sequel to Gloomhaven, um, just recently kicked off. They already funded by 1,300% <laughs> and we're only six days in. 45,000 backers already. Um, we haven't had a chance to play Gloomhaven yet. I know, every, we're terrible. But everything that we've heard says that it's an amazing game. Maybe we should, just to kind of fill the space between our D&D games. Maybe. Just to kind of scratch that Okay, itch. but if I do that, where do I fill the space on my game shelves to fit it? On the top. <laughs> I think that this, because these are huge boxes. They are huge boxes. These games are no. Now, these play as like a legacy type game, right? More, uh, more legacy, more campaign than legacy, I think. Okay. Um, I mean, there is always the option of getting the reusable sticker pack if you don't want to put permanent changes on the board. Yeah. Um, but it's, um, a lot of people have been saying that it's, uh, it's basically a role-playing game in a box. Mm-hmm. I've been seeing that too. Um, and we definitely need to. We I would def- we definitely want to give it a try. Um, 
Yeah, there's no real reason that we haven't, other than we just haven't gotten there yet. Right. I mean, no. I know we're super late to the show, not having not having played Gloomhaven or have it. But with the uh, um, the campaign for Frosthaven having an option to include mm-hmm. the original Gloomhaven, then I have two less slots, yeah. full slots on my game shelf that I don't have anything else in. All right, kids, you know what that means? That means we're gonna have to have a board game sale so that uh, <laughs> Kim and Jim have enough room on their shelves. To actually put Gloomhaven right. in front of It's not about the money. It's, it's not about, about the, the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. They're huge. But they're actually offering it at, a, at um, the original Gloomhaven at a decent discount. Yeah, from, I did see that. Retail. So, something to think about. It's hit a couple of low points. Like, I've seen it just under 100 bucks a couple of times in the past year. Right. But just a couple of times. And it's always at a time that it's, I think it was like around, it was just always at the like, I can't do it right now yeah so yeah that's cool so i always love there's always like one crazy holy holy cow this one's super funded 1300 percent funded already yeah no messing around with 25 days to go ish 25 ish roughly days to go. yeah at the time of recording Whew. so outside of kickstarter land a special thanks to i don't know i think a facebook ad i stumbled across no this might have been on their actual website I stumbled across, so we are, we've been big fans of Welcome To, uh, since it came out. We picked that up at, I know we say this a lot, we picked it up at Origins last year. We get a lot (laughs) of stuff at Origins, you guys, I'm sorry. So now they are coming out with a sequel. So this is another, this is a freestanding game. You do not need to have Welcome To to play it. They do not co-mingle, is my understanding. But this is called Welcome To New Las Vegas from Blue Cocker Games. Um... And at first I thought, well, I already have Welcome To. What would I need? This one, other than the theme, sounds kind of fun. But if it was going to be another ultimate, if it was going to work the same way and be the same flipping right like Welcome To, I didn't necessarily think that we needed it, considering all the expansions that Welcome To has right. for gameplay. But, I mean, for Welcome To, all those expansions are fairly minor yeah, expansions. Yeah, it's not huge. So... I dug into this one a little bit more. Not it has two different sheets that you run. So there's a map sheet, and there's a score objective sheet, and there is definitely a lot. This is a much deeper, thinkier, right. flipping right than what you if you were if you could take. It's like the next step of Welcome to. Yeah. But it has you're building casinos, which is pretty fun. Uh, hotels, golf courses, you're driving limos around and you're trying to drop off VIPs. Like, so this is certainly one with welcome to had multiple paths to victory. Right. But this one has, there's just a lot more decisions going on in here. There's a lot more things happening. It's just a lot. It's it just appears to be a much deeper roll and write. Or flipping right. Flipping right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So what I'm seeing is that it's expected to release this month. Um, again, I don't know if any stays in place or any kind of orders in different states is going to slow that down at all, but, uh, it is available for pre-order on their website as well, as well as websites like miniature market and things like that. Right. And you're looking at about a 20 to $30 price point with shipping on it. Eh, depending on where you get it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one that we may, I have a feeling this will end up. In the collection, because I think it would be another fun one to play. Most likely. Um, for the two of us. with It looks like this will be another one that you can play with a large number of people, which is always kind of a nice option to have available. Right. We don't have a ton of roll and write and flipping rights in our collection, so 
that's why I'm a little more willing to trying to round out the collection per se. I don't need 27 rolling rights <laughs> that all kind of do the same thing. But this is a cool one. So if you like Welcome to Your Perfect Home, we certainly recommend checking out Welcome to New Las Vegas. And then lastly, uh, fellow content creator Mr. Jeremy Howard from Jambalaya Plays Games is doing this really cool giveaway where he's worked with different content creators as well as publishers to get a lot of games that he's trying to give away to folks who maybe during this difficult time can't buy, you know, I don't have a lot of extra money sitting around to buy games. So he's doing big giveaways. You can find a link over on his YouTube channel. So Jambalaya Plays Games. I know he's been posting a lot in some of the board game groups. So we certainly want to promote what he's trying to do for the community as well. I think it's a great thing. He's just trying to get more games out to people. He's, I feel like in this point, his mission is similar to ours. It's just bringing people together, getting games in their hands, um, trying to be a, a bright spot in what's yeah. kind of a difficult time for a lot of people. And it's kind of what we need right now. Um, and anything we can do to help alleviate some of the stress from, from being restrained, restricted to um, staying at home and, yep. and all of that. Because I know we'd all love to go and see our regular board game groups and yeah, for put once some games everybody's on the schedule's table. free, right? Right. <laughs> for once, everybody's available, but um, but yeah, you, yeah. So again, you know, we're lucky enough that both of us are gamers, yeah, and we can put a game out and pl- learn it, play it. Um, Either whether it's love brand, it, what, hate it. <laughs> whether it's on a, whether it's off of our shelf of opportunity or it's an old favorite, um, it's something to help us get through this. And mm-hmm. We're hoping that partner days, and we hope that you guys can do that as well. Exactly. But yeah, thanks to Jeremy for putting that together to having that kind of brainchild. So uh, we certainly want to support him in his endeavors with that. So be sure to check it out. And you all stay safe out there and try to get some games in if you can. Uh, we'll try to do some more live plays. If we can, maybe we'll try another one that kids could play along at home. Yeah, we'll do that. Maybe we'll th- uh, do something a little meatier too, just to yep. just to give somebody just just to for entertainment. Yep, gives us a chance to stretch our legs, try out some new uh, layouts on the stream. Yeah, for the stream, the stream too. <laughs> so that's kind. Of, it's fun for us too. So thank you guys for tuning in. As always, thank you for listening. We, uh, if you enjoy this one, you know, feel free to give us a subscribe or a review. We'd love to have that. Uh, we're going to continue to keep bringing you these podcasts as we can, as we think of some fun, good topics for you. Definitely uh, give us a follow over on Facebook if you want to see those live streams and news that we're sharing. Uh, we'd certainly appreciate any subscribers over on YouTube. Like I said, we've always got some fun stuff in the works coming out on the channel. We'll have that. Uh, unboxing of the Star Wars game as well as our review of the food truck uh, truck off game coming uh, and plenty more so thank you guys again for everything Uh, stay safe and just keep playing those games we're trying to bring you together one game at a time thanks for listening 